Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as MATH, M-A-T-H, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and today I get to hang out with Ashley Brichter. She is an educator, speaker, consultant, and entrepreneur. Despite her experience with hundreds of families as a doula and birth educator, like so many, her birth did not, quote, go as planned. Better for it, she founded Birth Smarter in 2019, which provides unbiased, inclusive, and award-winning practical wisdom and guidance to the next generation of families. Ashley was born and raised in New York City, though she's relocated to Salt Lake City, Utah, and is enjoying the mountains and red rocks of the West with her husband and two amazing kids. She's a certified fair play facilitator and sits on the board of Pronatal Fitness. I had the pleasure of meeting Ashley in real life. Ashley, we have a mutual friend, Jamie Jones. And she had reached out a while, I guess, probably around 2019 when y'all were kickstarting Birth Smarter or whenever she came on board and she was like, you would love this. You should check it out. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then honestly forgot. And then you showed up in my real life at a conference and it was so rad to get to like circle back. And now I've been diving into Birth Smarter and I'm super jazzed that you created it and that I have the privilege of diving in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. So thank you. Thank you. I feel so similarly about Seed and Sew. Yeah, it's mutual. That's sweet. Thanks. I'm stoked because I, first of all, this is like a personal episode. So thanks. Um, because we get to chat about having another baby, like you're welcoming a sibling and I'm right now out of breath because I am pregnant with a sibling and want to dive into like what that looks like as you prepare for birth and the postpartum experience, because Preparing for Sagey's birth, honestly, I did have a pretty rad birth experience. I did a home birth and it was the right choice for us. And um, and it's totally different versus now when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, what are we going to do with Sage? He just told me the other day he doesn't want to be there. Um, and I think that's the right move for him. <laughs> like he was asking, a friend of mine had uh, a baby and I said, oh yeah, Kylie's baby came out of her vagina today. And he was like, hurt? And I was like, yeah, probably hurt. And he was like, cry? 
And I said, oh, I don't know if she cried. When you came out of my vagina, I didn't cry, but I yelled really loudly. I was, it was a really loud scream. And he said, too loud, mama. And I was like, yeah, I think it probably would have been too loud for you. And he said, when baby comes out, Sagey Joe away. And I was like, you want to go away? And he was like, yeah, too loud. Come back all done. And I was like, you want to come back when I'm all done? He was like, mm-hmm. I was like, I think that's the right move here. But even just considering those sorts of things like postpartum and navigating postpartum in a partnership and all that collaboration. So I very selfishly was like, Ashley, can you walk me through with all this will look like? And can I ask you all my questions? So yes. I'm so excited. I think that that's how we should do it is, um, let's go through, how do you prepare to give birth? What does it mean when there's a sibling, a toddler, a bigger kid around? And then how do you think about postpartum and what does that mean for your relationship? And then how do you think about actually bonding these little ones? So we can like go chronologically through, through it. I love it. Okay. Let's rock and roll. So I would say first and foremost, like preparing for another birth, what's that look like when you got another kid or other kids? in your space. Yeah. I mean, I think that the beginning of it is what was your first birth like? And are you trying to replicate an experience or are you trying to do something different? And that's where the conversation is separate from sibling stuff and toddler stuff. But like, I'm so excited that you had a positive first birth experience. Um, and we both know that that's not the case for everyone. Right. So whether you had a vaginal birth or a C-section and you're trying to have a V-back or a vaginal birth after cesarean, or you're thinking, hey, I had a baby in the hospital and now I want to try a birthing center. Now I want to try a home birth. Like, um, It's interesting trying to sort out this experience that you want to have for yourself um, while it's also a conversation that's like in relationship with your family and what makes sense now for all these other people. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so do you guys have a thought? Like, are you going to try for another home birth? And then yeah. we're going to yeah. run it back. Yeah. I learned for myself, two things about home birth for me, I'm a sexual assault survivor. And so for me, I, it was really helpful for me to feel safe. If I know who could potentially be in my vagina, like that helps me feel safe. And so the idea of a hospital and just like whoever's on call, I, it, that feels hard for me. So that was like a huge push for me for home birth. And then, um, Sagey's birth was really fast. And also the idea of like getting in a car, going through a check-in at a hospital, like is my nightmare. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to be touched. I needed to stand and squat. Like all of that sounds hard. Um, and I don't want to do it. So yes, we are planning another home birth. It, yeah. You know, so I'll, I'll situate out. your story, like in the context of how we talk about things at Birth Smarter. So we have what we call the Birth Smarter framework. Um, and if you can imagine a Venn diagram, this is how, cause we really strive to be the most unbiased and non-judgmental, like birth education and parenting support sort of organization out there. And so the way we bring non-judgmental education is by thinking about this Venn diagram. So one part is what is the physiological process of birth, right? Um, and in there, you get to dive into all of the like super cool um, science behind hormones and how the body works. Uh, and so like what you said about 
wanting to be somewhere where you felt really safe and where you could trust people. I think that there are folks who don't understand birth physiology that maybe think of that as somewhat of a luxury, Hmm. right? Um, But when you understand how the body gives birth, in order to have uterine contractions for a baby to be pushed down and out, you need to release a hormone called oxytocin. And oxytocin is our love, trust, bonding hormone, right? Sort of oversimplified, but it's the cuddle feel-good hormone. And so if you're producing too much cortisol or adrenaline, if you're stressed out and scared, your body cannot produce enough oxytocin to have contractions. And so really a feeling of trust and safety is paramount when we're striving for a physiological birth. Um, And so it's just, I think when people hear something as simple as that, you can go, oh, that's interesting. I get why, hey, that last OB that showed up or, you know, was not helpful for me. Or, right, again, like why driving in the car to the hospital slowed my contractions down? What happened there? Um, and then it it can help shed light to why people might want to be in an environment like a birthing center or like at home because they get to control their environment and therefore the release of hormones that are going to allow for the birth process to happen. Sure. Or in the hospital when like friends of mine have been like, oh yeah, I loved my OB or I loved my midwife or I had the best nurses and the hormones that that will produce. Yeah. Right. So trust and safety is paramount. And then the other part in terms of physiological birth is freedom of movement. And you mentioned that too. Um, So in order for the baby's head, like in order for your cervix to get out of the way, we really need the baby's head to press down on the cervix to release prostaglandins, which is this hormone-like substance. And so in order for the baby to like, I think about it a lot, like you're trying to get something out of a cookie jar, right? Like you're not totally sure what position it needs to be in, but we like shimmy and shake and rotate that cookie jar enough with our movement throughout labor and the baby will find its rotation through the pelvis. So if you can give birth in a hospital, you can get induced, you can have an epidural, you can give birth at a birthing center at home, really as long as you have that combination between this is a place and these are people who make me feel safe and I can move around. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. 
Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE for 20% off your order. Yeah, that makes um, sense. That makes total sense. And it, for me, I mean, I know they're both sphincters, but just connecting this, like it's the same with like, oh, I can't poop in a public place or, you know, at the, my friend's house where it's like right next to where everybody's hanging out or whatever, because your butthole literally won't open. <laughs> um yeah absolutely it is very much the same as that and uh it in a way that is different but we just taught a class for professionals that ended yesterday called birth murder pro did they Uh, use the word butthole was that a part of it no but so (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not know I was going to say this. So Caprice, who's our director of education, she um, sometimes talks about pushing a baby out in like an unmedicated physiological urge sense of there's Mm -hmm. a baby coming out of my body. Um, She talks about it as vomiting out of your vagina. Oh, we were just talking about this um, in our team meeting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Our team meetings must be very similar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because when my midwife showed up, I was 10 centimeters, but nobody knew it. And they walked in and I was pushing and they let me go through that contraction. But then one of them was like, so it's not time to push yet. And they try to breathe through that next contraction. And I was like, I can't. (laughs) And then, so I tried to just like breathe. And then she was like, can I check you? Because my water had broken. And so I didn't, I wasn't sure how I felt about checks if my water was going to be broken. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. She did. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You're 10 centimeters, do whatever you want. But it was like that, like vomiting out of my vagina. Like I didn't, I couldn't stop pushing. Yeah. It is an uncontrollable urge. And the thing actually that I'll say about that, that is a pet peeve of mine and something that we're really trying to change the narrative around at Birth Smarter um, is that there is a certain right or wrong time to do anything when you're Mm. having a baby, especially when it's connected to something as arbitrary as dilation. So like the fact that we even check people's cervical dilation um, is based on a very small study um, in New York City in the 1950s that then dictated all of modern obstetrical management of birth. And it's really a very like it's a very patriarchal understanding and a very linear understanding of, well, your body will dilate one, two, three, four to 10 centimeters at this rate over time. And if you talk to 
anyone who has been around, let's say more than four births, right? Let alone hundreds or thousands, people are like, oh, that doesn't really happen. Sure. Um, But this is the only until now, like we were really trying to change this at Birth Murder until now, this is the only way we can understand what birth progression looks like is this is how dilated you are. You know what another way of it, uh, like to look at it is you saying, I really feel like I have to push my baby out and somebody saying, I really trust you in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dig that answer. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So when somebody is getting ready to give birth, again, they get to go through this exercise of saying, where am I going to feel really safe and really supported? And then how can I move around? And what location is that going to be? Do I want a doula on my team? Just really giving the per- someone permission to make different choices than they did last time. Because um, we never know, like, I don't think that any birth preparation should be outcome oriented. Um, but hopefully the goal of preparing for a positive birth or preparing for a VBAC, if that's relevant for somebody, it just gives you like life lessons that make you feel good and connected to yourself and um, your ability to really advocate. So I think that's that those are like the ways I would want to support someone's thinking to prepare for what that birth is going to look like. But then to your point, there's all these logistical challenges of like, if you're home, childcare is less of an issue, though also he's already told you, right? Like, I don't want to be there. Get me out of here, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And he's a sound sensitive human. And I was so loud. I was like raspy for days. So I, it's not the right space for him. I, there is a, I want to give you all of my book recommendations and we can like put them in the notes, but there's a great, great book called Hello Baby. Have you heard of that yet? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. It's going to make me cry just thinking about it. Um, cause I had a home birth with my second. And so Hello Baby is this beautiful story of a family with two or three kids and the mom has a home birth and all the kids are around. And it says things like, you know, the toddler went to answer the phone, but like she was making too much noise. So they just hung up. Um, and the illustrations are really beautiful where you get to see a home birth happening with siblings around. Um, and our favorite line in the book, and I don't know why it's just like always hit a chord. Um, at the end, I think the mom is offered food and she turns it down and she needs some water. And the line is just, it's thirsty work having babies. Mm. <laughs> and we talk about that all the time. Like, oh, it's thirsty work having babies or it's thirsty work, <laughs> but it's, a, it's beautiful. Um, so anyway, you don't need childcare, but you want to be considerate, but certainly if somebody is going to the hospital, um, totally. and is going to be leaving now, you need a plan in place. Yeah. And I will say for home birth, for me, I want, I don't want to be thinking about him. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I think like one of my, one thing that was really powerful for me in his birth was that I didn't think about anybody. (laughs) I didn't think about a single other human in the room. No one was coming into my space and touching me. There wasn't anyone saying, mom, mama, mom, 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 mama, why are you breathing like that? Mama, why are you yelling? Right? Like that wasn't there. And I got into a headspace that was really helpful for me. And I don't want to think about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds rude, but I don't want to. <laughs> I think that there are times that we get to be fully ourselves. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's why it's really nice to be in community with others. And so 
I mean, I'm sure we totally agree about this, but the thing I think when you're about to ask someone to be around to watch your kid or your kids is how nice it is to be asked for help, right? Mm -hmm. Like if a friend or a family member comes to you and says, hey, I have a situation and you are the person that I thought could help me through this, it it feels like such an honor and a privilege to be let in. Yeah. But yeah, do you have the the other thing I'm thinking about too is um that it it usually doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Like there there get to be pieces and ways that our kids experience our pregnancy and experience bits of like this is a contraction or a baby is coming or here's the story where it's not like okay, I'm going to leave and I'll see you in 2 days, right? Right. Right, exactly. And yeah, it's it's not like there's no lead up to it. Like there's a lead up that happens. And, but so yeah, for folks who are going to go into a hospital and uh, we have had two friends in the last six months who had planned cesareans and then went into labor beforehand. And so Mm -hmm. what I've observed in the last six months too, and these were second kids that they were having, where they like have this plan in place for their toddler. They are like, yep, great. We have childcare set up. My mother-in-law, my mom's coming to do here or whatever. And then they go into labor and they're like, wait, 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 (laughs) wait a minute. And so I would like to chat about, about that of whether you have a planned cesarean or you're hoping for vaginal birth that you're going to a hospital for a birth and you're like, I guess how to prep the older kids for the unknown of it. Yeah. Well, I will say I am generally speaking, a fan of people having labor doulas with them. Um, I think that our society, so the other part, so the birth smarter framework is that physiological process, the societal context, like what's the world that we're navigating. Right. And like the biggest one for us right now is that for-profit medicine and physiological birth are a bit at odds with each other. Um, And then the last piece of that framework is your personal circumstance. So what are you bringing to the table? And so in a situation like for-profit medicine going into a hospital system in the U.S., I think that having a doula by your side as a continuous source of support and somebody to help you advocate is great. But in the context of welcoming another baby into your family, should there be a situation where there's a childcare hiccup or birth plans change and your partner needs to really hang with your kid, right? Mm -hmm. You're not alone, Um, and so there's often ways that people can find a doula that is a good emotional fit or a financial fit, but that's just like another layer uh, of protection, (laughs) um, where like we didn't hire a doula for my first birth and we did for my second because all the people who could have been supporting me, I was like, I actually really want your eyes and your support on my daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to find somebody else who can be in my corner. Sure. That makes sense. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like 
hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, hormone harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit, feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And then when you're going to the hospital, I think that this is where it's tricky too, in terms of societal context, because most hospital associations we have in our society are really scary, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's not to say that we need to like tell stories around our kids, but I think there are ways instead of saying, I'm going to the hospital, like we're going to go have a baby or we're going to go to like the birth unit or we're going to go to labor and delivery. And it depends on how old your kid is too. Right. But certainly setting, setting them up for potentially how long you're going to be away um, is I think really interesting and where they're going to be or who they're going to be with to the extent that you can plan it ahead of time. Like, obviously, like you're saying, plans change, right? And I think that there's no one right answer, right? I'm sure you have so many families in your network where for one kid, it might be like, you're going to go to grandma's house. And for somebody else, it might be like, hey, you know what? Your nanny is going to stay overnight for these two nights because this is the place or this is the person where you're more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, I think from the like emotional development side for kids, I want to let them know that we will give them all the information we have when we have it, that we will let you know. And, and honestly, like as a pregnant person, it's hard at the end to know, am I having this baby tomorrow or in four weeks? And that's also hard for a kid to know when is this baby coming and what does that mean for me? Because they're reliant on other humans to keep them alive. And so like from a really primitive primal space, they need to know, is somebody going to keep me alive when you go someplace to have this baby? And really just like that is where I would start is just making sure that they know, yeah, here's who it'll be this person or this person or whatever, like whatever your plans are. And once we know when this baby is coming, we will definitely tell you everything we can with the information we have. Um, And it can feel uncomfortable to not know when it's going to happen. I don't know about you, but when I scroll through Instagram or I'm tuning into podcasts and diving into parenting resources, resources for myself as a teacher, I can feel overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? I need a guide for what this looks like in practice. And I don't want something that's one size fits all because 
every child is different, right? And like, if you have multiple children, if you're a teacher, you know that it's not one size fits all. Or if you have seen what works for your sister-in-law or your best friend or your neighbor, and you're like, oh my gosh, my child does not respond to that. That is how I felt. And then we created the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. It is a guide for building emotional intelligence. And y'all, there are five components of the SEP method. One is about how to respond to the kids and what it looks like to have adult-child interactions. The other four are about us. Because I don't know about you, but I did not grow up getting these tools. I did not grow up with them. I didn't grow up in this household where... I was taught tools for self-awareness and self-regulation and how to do emotion processing work. And now as a parent and as a teacher, I'm supposed to teach those skills to a tiny human, but we can't teach what we don't know. And so my first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is here to support you. You can head to www.seedandso.org slash book and snag tiny humans, big emotions today. This is a game changer. It's going to build these skills with you, for you, so that you can do this work alongside building these skills for your tiny humans so that they can grow up with a skill set for self-awareness, for regulation, for empathy, for social skills, for intrinsic motivation, a skill set of emotional intelligence so that they can navigate all the things that come their way in life. Snag Tiny Humans, Big Emotions at seedandso.org slash book. I I think just validating that and maybe even sharing, like I was just telling Seiji the other day, because he's been saying, I'm due in December when Santa comes. And I was like, yeah. It'll probably happen between when we get our Christmas tree and when Santa comes. And I said, when I was pregnant with you, we were waiting and we were waiting and we were so curious when you were going to come. And then you surprised us and you came. And, but that we had so many days we were waiting and wondering, because I was Mm -hmm. like 7 billion weeks pregnant with him. (laughs) Um, And, and, but just like laying that foundation of like, we don't know. And sometimes you're waiting and just validating that the waiting is uncomfortable and you will be safe here. Totally here with you. The other thing that is really nice in that situation is again, this can look really different depending on how old they are. Um, but is making a birth plan for them. Hmm. Um, right. And so if there may be part of you making your birth plan, like, oh, I have to pack my bag or, oh, I have to get this stuff ready. Right. And like, now let's make your plan. Right. And we don't know exactly what it's going to be, but you know, I think on my daughter's list, we did things like, um, we drew a piece of paper and one had the sun and one had the moon on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if the baby is coming during the day, you could go to the zoo, you could go get ice cream, you could do puzzles. Like we had the activities that we knew we would lean on. And then if it's at night, like you might sleep in grandma's bed or you might, you know, your aunt might snuggle you or something. And so we made the list and sometimes you can put pictures on it and all of that. Um, and then my, just my all time favorite suggestion for siblings of any age that we were, we were able to pull off, um, with the second is that siblings get to make the baby a birthday cake. 
And that's like such a great labor activity, right? So whoever's with you, like you guys have to go buy or make a birthday cake so that when you get to meet baby, we get to sing the baby happy birthday. And it's like a very lovely thing that they get to do to start that, that bonding relationship. Sure. Yeah. I dig that. I dig that a lot. Um, that also, that was something we asked my mother-in-law to do when I was pregnant because I felt like it was a good her activity. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, it'd be great. Um, <laughs> and that was helpful. So with birth, I feel, is there anything else that you, I personally like this is helpful, are thinking about in terms of birth that we should mention or should we move into postpartum? I think we move into postpartum because I think the biggest questions then are like, how, how does it go? And what does that mean for after? Right. Great. Yep. Perfect. So let's enter into postpartum. Stay tuned for part two of this episode on navigating postpartum in partnership with multiple kids. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.